Welcome to Current Radio's Technology Station. Please enjoy today's selection of technology news. Celeste, it seems like the European Union is in the midst of another policy tug-of-war around big tech's content recommender systems. A number of parliamentarians are calling on the Commission to rein in these so-called personalization engines, which profile users to determine what content to show them. That's right, James. Critics have long argued that these personalized content feeds contribute to social media addiction, pose mental health risks, and may even undermine social cohesion. The concern is that these systems amplify divisive content, pushing individuals towards political extremes. Absolutely. In fact, there's a letter signed by 17 MEPs from various political groups advocating for these recommender systems to be switched off by default. They argue that these systems, particularly the hyper-personalized ones, pose a significant threat to society by prioritizing emotive and extreme content. And that's not all. They also argue that these systems keep users engaged with the platform for longer, thereby maximizing ad revenue. They're particularly concerned about the impact on younger users. An experiment by Amnesty on TikTok showed that a simulated 13-year-old was exposed to videos glorifying suicide within just one hour. That's disturbing. And it's not just TikTok. According to Meta's internal research, 64% of extremist group joins result from their recommendation tools. This clearly exacerbates the spread of extremist ideologies. It's a serious issue. And it seems Ireland's media commission, Coimission Neman, is also concerned. They've drafted online safety guidance proposing that recommender algorithms based on profiling should be turned off by default. This proposal came after an episode of violent unrest in Dublin, which was reportedly fueled by misinformation spread on social media. The Irish Council for Civil Liberties has also called on the Commission to support this proposal. They argue that social media algorithms are tearing societies apart. The MEPs in their letter have echoed this sentiment, suggesting that the Irish media regulator's proposal would effectively address the issues related to recommender systems. However, the Commission has yet to comment publicly on the letter. An EU official did mention that the Commission is looking into recommender systems as part of their enforcement of the DSA on VLOPs. They also noted that while platforms could choose to turn off these systems as part of their DSA systemic risk mitigation compliance, none have done so yet. It's clear that this is a complex issue. The EU official emphasized the need for nuance in the debate around recommender systems. They suggested the Commission will undertake case-by-case -case assessments of concerns, speaking up for data-driven policy interventions on VLOPs rather than blanket measures. And that makes sense. After all, these platforms are diverse, spanning video sharing, social media, retail, and even information services. The official also pointed out that more data is needed to understand whether turning off personalization by default would be an effective risk mitigation measure. Absolutely. And let's not forget that the DSA only came into force on the first set of VLOPs towards the end of August. The Commission is just starting its enforcement action. It's a process, and it's going to take some time. Indeed. We'll have to wait and see how the Commission's approach unfolds. But it's clear that 2024 is shaping up to be a significant year for the EU's policy response to big tech. Moving on from the European Union's policy debates on big tech, let's shift gears and head over to the automobile industry. 
Tesla, a name synonymous with innovation, seems to have hit a speed bump. The company's autopilot feature, designed to revolutionize the way we drive, is under scrutiny once again. Let's dive into the details. So, Tesla's in a bit of hot water again. This time, it's about the fix for their autopilot recall of over 2 million vehicles. Consumer Reports is calling it insufficient. Right, and it seems that the main issue here is with Tesla's approach to driver monitoring. Kelly Funkhauser from Consumer Reports says she was able to cover the cabin camera while using autopilot, which is one of the key ways the car checks if drivers are paying attention. And there's more. Funkhauser didn't notice any differences when using AutoSteer, Tesla's flagship autopilot feature, outside of controlled access highways. This is despite Tesla's claim that the software is specifically designed for those roads. It's worth noting that these tests aren't comprehensive. Consumer Reports plans to do more extensive testing in the coming weeks, but it's clear that there are still some unanswered questions about Tesla's driver monitoring tech. Absolutely. And this issue is at the heart of the recall. The recall affects more than 2 million cars in the U.S. and Canada, and it's the result of a two-year investigation by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Let's talk about the auto steer feature. Tesla insists that drivers must pay attention to the road and keep their hands on the wheel while using it. And they monitor this using a torque sensor in the steering wheel and an in-cabin camera. But the NHTSA says these checks are insufficient to prevent misuse. Interestingly, Tesla doesn't restrict the use of auto steer to controlled access highways. Drivers can activate auto steer on other roads as long as certain conditions are met. However, as part of the recall, the NHTSA said Tesla would be adding additional checks when using auto steer outside controlled access highways and when approaching traffic controls. Some Tesla owners were worried that this meant Tesla would limit auto steer and restrict it to controlled access highways. But according to Funkhauser's tests, it seems like these fears might be unfounded. Yes, but she also pointed out that despite Tesla saying it has increased the strictness of driver attentiveness requirements, those changes weren't noticeable in her preliminary testing. In fact, it's hard to know exactly what Tesla means by this because... Because it's all a bit vague, right? Exactly. And it leaves us wondering if or how much Tesla modified the camera's ability to monitor driver attentiveness in the update. Unfortunately, we can't get a straight answer from Tesla since they disbanded their press department years ago. This whole situation just highlights the importance of clear communication, especially when it comes to safety features. I guess we'll have to wait and see how this unfolds. From the roads to the vast expanse of space, innovation is taking leaps and bounds. As we continue to question the safety of autonomous vehicles here on Earth, let's shift our gaze upwards to a different kind of autonomous voyage. This time, it's not about cars, but about a lunar lander ready to make history. Here's some exciting news, Celeste. Astrobotics' first lunar lander, Peregrine, is ready for liftoff. Right, I heard it's scheduled for January 8th. Quite a way to kick off the new year, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's not just a launch, but a historic lunar landing that's in the cards. As Astrobotic CEO John Thornton pointed out, landing on the moon is no easy feat. But their team has been surpassing expectations, right? I read about their rigorous flight reviews and testing. They seem to be quite ready for this. Yes, and the Peregrine lander is carrying 20 payloads for government and commercial customers. 
it's going to operate for around 192 hours after landing. During that time, it'll power and communicate with the payloads. I remember seeing on Astrobotics' website that they're charging about $1.2 million per kilogram of mass delivered to the lunar surface. It's part of a $79.5 million contract from NASA, isn't it? Correct. It's under NASA's Commercial Lunar Payload Services Program. Astrobotic has another contract for their larger Griffin lander, which is expected to launch in late 2024. But they're not the only ones in this game, Celeste. There's Intuitive Machines, Firefly Aerospace, and the Japanese firm Espace. Right, all betting on a market for lunar pay payload delivery services. But back to Peregrine, it's set to lift off from Cape Canaveral in Florida, correct? Exactly. After liftoff, the spacecraft will execute a series of burns to get into position to touch down on the moon on February 23rd. It's not just Astrobotic with a lot riding on this launch, it's also a big day for United Launch Alliance. Oh, because it's the first ever flight of their Vulcan Centaur rocket, right? I remember there were some delays that pushed back its debut. Yes, and ULA has some ambitious plans. They aim to launch several Vulcan flights next year, and they have a multi-billion dollar 38 launch deal with Amazon for its Project Kuiper satellite broadband constellation. So there's a lot hinging on this launch. Seems like a thrilling start to the year for space exploration. Can't wait to see how these missions unfold. From the moon to the movie theaters, technology is reshaping our experiences. Speaking of which, let's switch gears from space exploration to a different kind of adventure. Imagine stepping into your favorite movie scene or owning a piece of cinematic history. Sounds like a dream for movie buffs, right? Well, it's becoming a reality thanks to some cutting-edge technology. Let's delve into this exciting new trend. Movie fans are no strangers to collecting memorabilia, but really, an AR platform formerly known as MovieBill is taking it to a whole new level. They're betting on digital collectibles to become the new symbol of a fan's devotion. Can you believe that, Celeste? Digital collectibles? That's a step up from my old movie ticket stubs. But how does it work, James? Well, Really has partnered with Avalanche, a blockchain platform, to power its Fandime NFTs. It's a new way for movie studios to engage with audiences. Plus, they're expanding their AR collectible tickets to cinema partners in the Asia-Pacific region. You can earn Fandime tokens by attending movie theaters and events, buying merchandise, and interacting with Really's AR experiences. So it's not just about watching the movie, but also participating in these AR experiences. That's a fun twist, but what can you do with these Fandime tokens? Great question. Each Fandime gets a unique blockchain-based ID and is minted on Avalanche's blockchain network. Users can redeem Fandime for digital rewards, movie-related AR content, exclusive opportunities, and even AR trophies and wearable face filters. They can also be used in really games, like extending playtime for trivia and getting extra lives for the bucket toss game. That sounds like a whole new level of movie fandom. But how are movie studios responding to this? Well, Amazon MGM Studios has already launched a collection on Nully, really, likely as part of its marketing strategy. Moviegoers who collect all three AR tickets can earn exclusive Fandime tokens. They've even rolled out an AR collectible for the hit psychological thriller Saltburn. That's quite a leap into the future. Speaking of which, what's next for Really? Really CEO, James Andrew Feltz, sees a future where AR and blockchain are integral parts of our digital interactions. Next year, 
they plan to expand the ways users can earn Fandime tokens and redeem rewards. For instance, users will be able to purchase movie tickets and merchandise via their Really account, receive discounts, and collect Fandime tokens when watching content at home. And in the long term, they plan to create original AR content and branch... Original AR content like their own stories? Yes, exactly. Really Originals will be first to market AR stories that users can experience anywhere. They also plan to grow their digital collectible program to include other sectors like travel, retail, and sports. It's a whole new world of AR and blockchain, Celeste. That's fascinating, James. From movie ticket stubs to AR collectibles, movie fandom is definitely evolving. 